baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Speaking of facts, clearly optional, we just got this text. You two overly liberal hosts keep trying to shine that turd Joe up. LOL, Tom and Red Wing. Tom, we spent the first half hour of the show talking about how Joe Biden shouldn't be running for re-election because mm. of the serious uh, concerns about his cognitive ability. So thank you for just firing off a text with having no concept of what we've been talking mm-hmm. about. But that's America. That's why we love it. Uh, our next guest, we love having him on because I think he represents a point of view that a lot of our listeners have. He is Scott Klug, a former Wisconsin congressman who now hosts a political podcast, Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphan. Scott, thank you again uh, so much for the time today. Let's start uh, with Joe Biden, the slip-ups, the clear evidence now of his, I guess, cognitive ability, as pointed out, in the uh, the report that uh, did not charge him with the documents, but clearly says he's got significant problems remembering dates, remembering things. Do you think this will have a significant impact on Democrats uh, possibly changing course here with a, with a new candidate? Well, that's a that's a tough question. First of all, I appreciate the walk up music, hot stuff. I mean, and then a lot of my just for you, usually. Scott, just yeah. for you. <laughs> But uh, I do think it's going to give people pause. I, you know, I had a, um, a a bet with about five people six months ago on Trump and Biden, whether they'd get elected, whether they could actually get the nominations, if one of them would fall off the screen. I think the problem for the Democrats is it's pretty late in the game. You know, their, their um, convention is in, I think, in late July or early August. So who, how does this jump up? And if it's a broker convention, it's going to be tough. I, I think this just confirms what a lot of us have thought. And look, I think most Americans can't believe that in a nation of 300 people, these are our two options. I mean, it's just crazy. And so I worry uh, I worry about both of them, right, in part because of Trump's instincts and the way he managed his first term in Congress. And I worry about this uh, in terms of Biden's ability to comprehend stuff. And I think the fact that he couldn't remember the offices, he w- the years of the office he was in uh, as vice president and couldn't remember his son's own death. I mean, that's that's really pretty frightening. So you wonder how he gets business done on a day-to-day basis and how much he's just being handled and managed. Scott, who gets to decide who is the nominee? Because Adam and I were talking about this. Like, why can't people tell President Biden, okay, it's not going to be you. It's going to be somebody else, Dean Phillips or whomever they pick, and we need you to pass the baton. Like, who gets to decide, you know, who's in charge? Well, who decides actually are the delegates, right? Because they control the votes. We're not very far uh, along in the primary season, although starting with Super Tuesday next month, um, a lot of the states will start to make decisions. So it's up to the delegates to vote. I think the question gets to be who <laughs> who leads the charge to try to turn that over in the convention and who's the candidate, right? So is it 
um, you know, the vice president as a preemptive uh, nominee? Does somebody else try to challenge from the outside? I, you know, I think Gavin Newsom, the governor of California, would be a much more serious candidate than Dean Phillips would, mm-hmm. uh, with all due respects to my Minnesota colleague and friend. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's up to the delegates, you know, and, and if you think back, uh, old guys that I am, and maybe your parents showed you this at one point, but the 68 Democratic Convention mm-hmm was just chaos. And it's interesting, you know, the Republicans are involved in a civil war at this point. And I think the fact that Biden is the presumptive nominee has held off a Democratic civil war, which is coming, because it's going to come between the centrist, new Democrats, the old blue dogs, and essentially what are the progressives. And I think that's going to be a huge Democratic fight that will be every bit as bitter as the Republican fight is right now. Scott, so you said, I mean, is it too late in the game? I mean, is there anything that can happen between now, though, and the convention? And I think to Jordana's point, yes, delegates make the decision, but is there a group of Democrats, high-ranking Democrats behind the scenes that could possibly say and see the writing on the wall, see the polls in the swing states and saying, we're in trouble here, we need to change course? Could something happen before a convention and a brokered convention? It could, but in many ways it's unprecedented, right? Because there's never really been a challenge based on somebody's mental fitness, which is what this is. I, you know, I don't know who the first person is who raises his hand and essentially tries to pull off a palace coup. You know, that, you know, we've been talking in a couple of other times when I've been on your show. I meant the p- political middle in this country is so extraordinarily frustrated yes. and angry and bittered and yes. bewildered. And I just I talked to four swing voters in Erie County, Pennsylvania, which is the county that decides uh, the how Pennsylvania oftentimes goes. In fact, one of the guys I talked to, I was talking about how often candidates are in Erie. And he said, well, I can tell you the last time Trump ran on the day of the last election, he was sitting on the tarmac outside my window here because my offices are near the Erie airport. And all four of these people, one time Democrat, one time Republican, still sort of titular Republicans and Democrats, are just so, so frustrated. So I, I think that gets to be a really tough decision unless there's a far more dramatic moment. At one point, does Biden have a moment where he's live in the middle of a press conference? I don't mean where he's confusing the chancellors of Germany, but something where it's mm-hmm. just, he's, you know, my, my mom was in her early 80s. And when she began to have issues with her memory and sort of precursors of Alzheimer's, she'd have these moments where she just stared at you blankly. She couldn't even process what you're saying. I wonder if it takes a far more dramatic moment for that to happen. But it's, you know, the guy's 82 years old. It's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any easier. And then, you know, meanwhile, in fairness, because I like to beat up both sides, I mean, Trump has had some pretty bizarre moments lately where he can't keep, you know, Nikki Haley straight from Nancy Mm -hmm. Pelosi. So back to my earlier point, really, with 300 million people, how do we get these two people? And we've already had that. Mitch McConnell has had multiple episodes where he just stares off into space and freezes, and yet he's still in power. So well, that's, it seems but Jordana, that's an easier thing. That's just the Republican caucus in the Senate, which and the Democrats have the majority. So Republicans have what, 49 or 48? Sorry, they don't have my political science numbers memorized. So the Republican delegation in the Senate could do it at some point. I think that's probably coming sooner rather than later, because, you know, there's a sense that John Thune is from South Dakota is ready to step in. John mm-hmm. Cornyn, who's a senator from Texas, sort of a common sense conservative, might do it. Um, you know, there's even some talk that Ted Cruz might try to do it, and I would prefer to vote for the other two, <laughs> my majority or minority leader. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, I, I think the McConnell uh, 
you know, uh, head of the Republican Party in the Senate is just sort of phasing down. I think he's even running out of gas. So I suspect that'll happen after the next election. Talking to Scott Klug, uh, hosts the podcast, uh, Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans, former Wisconsin congressman, Republican congressman, I should note, on the Republican side, because that's one, too, where it's, okay, Nikki Haley's still in the race. Uh, she lost to none of the above in Nevada a couple nights ago, and Trump uh, obviously winning that state. And people wondering why she's still in. It sure seems like Trump is the nominee. Is it an easier path for her? Is it, what do you think of her chances here? I mean, because a lot of people say she has zero chance. I don't think she's got much of a chance. I mean, you know, it starts with her own state of South Carolina coming up shortly and then goes through Super Tuesday. I, you know, what it could be is that she's running, so she'd be the presumptive nominee if Trump gets convicted of one yeah. of these crimes. And if the federal government says, excuse me, the Supreme Court says the president of the United States does not have, you know, power to forgive himself for any crimes he's convicted of. And then I think if Trump's convicted of a felony, what happens at the Republican convention? And if you look at the polling numbers, you can see that uh, a lot of people who say they'd vote for Trump today will take a step backwards if he's actually convicted of a crime. So I, I think that's, you know, that's very much in the game at this point. The question is how fast the Supreme Court rules on the um, ability to forgive yourself and and whether they'll stick with it and say the president's not above the law. And then if they say that, then the case over the um, missing confidential and secret documents will head to the courtroom pretty quickly. Talk to us about the immigration bill, because it did not pass, despite Republicans' willingness or, or confidence, albeit misplaced, that it would pass. What I'd like your, you know, your reaction to the fact that it did not pass. Well, uh, so he, here's my old-fashioned idea. You get elected to Congress because you want to do something, right? Yeah. And, in, yeah. and in some cases, well, yeah, and in some cases, it's not a bad idea if stuff doesn't go any work. I'm sort of a small government Republican, so I once got asked by a professor what my proudest bill was that I passed in Congress, and I said I'd rather talk about a lot of bills I stopped. But in this case, this is just raw politics. You know, if the the three of us head down and find three other people at a bar somewhere in St. Paul and, you know, in split fries and a juicy Lucy mm -hmm. says the Wisconsin guy. I mean, it's pretty clear we can figure out what the immigration deal is, right? More security on the border mm -hmm. and a pass for the, uh, for mm -hmm. the dreamers. And if you look back, George W. Bush said the greatest failure of his presidency was his inability to get an immigration bill passed before he left office. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about 2006. So that's, a long time ago. And yes. in that case, it was actually Chuck Schumer who killed the deal in the Senate. So now we've got the Republicans in the House killing this deal and the Democrats in the Senate killing the other one historically. And it, for my mind, it's a pox on both your houses. I mean, you got elected to solve a problem. There's a crisis at the border. I understand Trump would just assume it has have it as an election issue, not mm -hmm. as a campaign issue, not actually getting public policy done. But again, back to what I said, you get paid to solve problems in this country. And the immigration issue has been a crisis for 22 years. I mean, what could be more paramount than getting that done? So uh, I'm not particularly happy with either party at this moment. And it shows you exactly the power that Trump yields over the Republicans there. I mean, James Lankford, Oklahoma senator, comes up with this deal. And Trump says, very bad move for him. And then he claims he didn't endorse him when he did endorse him. And it just shows you <laughs> how, like, I mean, the, 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 you have to bow and you have to kiss the ring. 
Well, Trump's in a pretty powerful position because most Republicans, especially Republican House members, they wake up in the morning worrying about a primary challenge. And yeah. if Trump's behind a primary challenge, you're going to have a fight on your hands. But I always thought when I ran for office and I got elected that you actually should pick some issues that you're willing to lose an election over. So when I first got elected in the 90s, it was Desert Storm. I represented Madison. And and literally, usually when you get elected to Congress, you vote on, like, renaming courthouses for the first two weeks until you sort of wade yeah. into the water. Right. And in this case, literally, Desert Storm was, like, five days after I got elected. And I remember Newt Gingrich taking me for a walk in the back of the chamber and said, look, I know Madison. I know the history. If you want to take a walk on this one, you'll get the votes. And I said, Newt, I'll guarantee you something that over my career, I'm going to do something you really don't like. But a matter of war and death and kids getting killed in battle, I mean, I've got to take a vote one way or the other. And if I lose because of this, I lose. And I voted for the military action in Desert Storm. And as you know, it was over pretty quickly and never was an issue in any of my campaigns. But if you're going to take a walk on going to war, not going to war, it just tells you how feckless many members of Congress are. I mean, again, I think you get elected to do a job, and I'm not naive. People want to continue to serve, and they want to get reelected. But at some point, like Jim Langford, you just have to stand up for what's right and try to get something done. We're speaking with Scott Klug, former Wisconsin congressman who now does a podcast called Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans. Uh, Scott, I mean, there's there's much more to discuss, you know, the aid to Ukraine, the Tucker Carlson interview. But you, you just said, you know, people are Republicans are worried about getting primaried. And if you don't have the backing of Trump, you know, that's a real concern. Scott, what is it? Why is he so powerful and wields so much importance in this country? I don't get it. Well, I do get it. I mean, just the raw arithmetic tells you that about he's got a pretty hardcore base of about 40 percent of Republican primary voters. And then he's probably got another 25 percent of folks who are leaning that way for a whole series of reasons, part of which may be the issues with Biden or people's frustration with the economy. So um, I think it's 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 a small number, right? It's going to be the the same thing. I'm telling you, when the when the progressives and the sort of old fashioned liberals have a fight over the Democratic Party's future yep. when Joe Biden is gone, and it'll be the same way. I meant, you know, if it's it's you know it's tough to buck a sitting president, um, no matter who it is. The the problem, Jordana, is that the districts are wired and redistricted so precisely these days. There's very few competitive House seats. So in 2022, I loved it when ticket splitting erupted all over the country, right? New Hampshire, Maine, Vermont, Georgia, Wisconsin, Kansas, Nevada, Arizona. And so you'd see people elected. And, you know, for example, if you say Vermont, people are going to say Bernie Sanders is the most popular politician. Hardly. The incumbent Republican governor got elected for the fourth time with 74 percent of the vote. And I think that's a very healthy sign. But if you look at the House seats, and this is people get confused when I say this, so I'll, I may have to say it more than one time. There are only, and I'm guessing at this, I think 18 House seats in the country, congressional districts, where the member who gets elected is of a different party than the president who carries that same congressional district. So there's very little ticket splitting on the House level. And that's part of the whole battle of redistricting, right? If you're a Republican congressman in upstate Wisconsin, uh, you're worried about losing in a primary if Trump's on the other side of it. And frankly, I would suspect that some Democrats um, get too out in front on this Biden issue about switching to another candidate, 
they have great political risks as well. Mm. So it's sort of the nature of the business. In the case with Trump, it's just because he's so outlandish. That's part of the problem. In the case with Biden, it's the fact we really don't know whether he's capable of doing the job anymore. Scott, we love our conversations. We're out of time, but we will have you on again. Thank you so much. Uh, Again, it's Scott Klug, former Wisconsin congressman. The podcast is Lost in the Middle, America's Political Orphans. Thank you, sir. Have a great weekend. Thanks much. You too. 1122 on News Talk 830 WCCO. Do we have time for your quiz now? Are you going to quiz me about something? No, I still don't get it, Adam. I still don't get, I still don't get why, like what policies are it, is it? that people love about Trump? Like, why do they think he was such a great president? Like, why do they think he's the person that's going to save America? I guess I just don't understand why, because, you know, he didn't do anything about immigration either when he had the chance. I, I just don't get it. And I'm really, I'm, I'm really asking that question. What specifically is it that makes him so powerful in this country? Do you think it's a hatred of Democrats, a hatred of of liberalism? You think the hate is oh, stronger sure. than is, is that it? It's a rejection of it's a rejection okay. because it's the same on the left. Why we we it, it, people on the left who cringe or recoil at uh, ultra conservative policies. The same happens on the right with ultra liberal policies that they recoil at, which is why people who are kind of in the middle then are left to decide, and that. And he's talking about, you know, the 40%. So he's talking about 40% of Republicans who will not change on Donald Trump no matter what. And other Republicans who behind the scenes say, yeah, I know Trump is crazy. I can't, I, 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 I loathe him as a man, uh, including people who used to say that out loud and now suddenly are, you know, mm. beating the drum for him. They, they, they haven't changed their minds about him, but they can't lose that voting block. Otherwise, they've got no chance. And... That's why it's, and now we're beholden to that, which is why, I mean, many of we can sit here and shake our heads saying, really? I mean, the Republicans can't do a, can't pick a better candidate, but they've got that 40% for whatever reason. And for some, it's based on, let's be honest with you, it's based on racism. It's based on, uh, but for many others, it's based on somebody who they feel is cleaning up a broken system. And I get it. I get that sentiment. But that is a lot. I mean, but he didn't clean it up. No, but they, they, they say he didn't get a chance, and which is why they are all for a second Trump term um, where he's, I guess, unrestricted in picking his own people, and which also gives the other side great fear over what that means. Someone texted in, Trump was a great president, cheap oil, low inflation, more jobs, closed border, Tough foreign policy, no catering to the woke. Um, more jobs. There's more jobs now. Than more jobs before. now. So that's there's more what? jobs now. He did not close the border. No. And gas is at two ninety five. So I don't, you know, and and there's yeah. there's a global pandemic you know, there was, had a lot to do with gas prices plummeting. So right. let's and, and that's what shut down supply chains. And now the recovery of those supply chains has led to inflation, which was global, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. But you, it's it's irrefutable to argue that the U.S. economy has fared better than other uh, other advanced economies coming out of the pandemic. That's those are just facts. Those are factual numbers. However, that doesn't mean oh yeah, grocery prices have come down. Grocery prices are still high because of that, and that's a problem. And that's what people. I I don't 
I don't blame anybody for voting with their pocketbook when it comes to that. But let's be serious about those numbers and what they actually mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. We're super late. It's 1126. We'll react more when we return. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We're going to stay political. I know it's sort of a heavy way to end the show on Friday, but we're going to talk about illegal immigration. We don't have an open border. I know some people would justify it that way, but in this country, we do have systems that just don't work. (laughs) Right. It's quite open right now. I will say that. Lots of people coming across. Um, So should Minnesota be a sanctuary state? A lot. Minneapolis is a sanctuary city, Correct. and that means that Ill- laws for illegal immigrants to obtain illegal immigrants and to get them deported or get them where they need to go are not carried out by local officials. That's what that means, that they are not enforced. Well, DFL lawmakers are pushing a bill to make Minnesota a sanctuary state for undocumented immigrants. Now, that was a bomb. Uh, we just dropped, and people are going to have very strong opinions about this. Republican lawmakers are warning, of course, of an economic burden. Adam and I are going to share a little bit more about that and take your calls and texts next on CCO. I have a problem anytime you have a law that says our local law enforcement shouldn't cooperate with federal authorities. Full stop and a discussion right there. I'm talking about this bill introduced yesterday that will come up once the legislature convenes next week, about making Minnesota a sanctuary state for illegal immigrants or undocumented immigrants. I I understand that we have an immigration problem. I understand also that illegal immigrants and undocumented uh, immigrants are working all over the state right now, and suddenly if you snapped your fingers and every undocumented worker disappeared, we would have a real problem, not only in Minnesota and this country. That being said, I don't think it should be open the doors, let everybody come on in, and if if they're not going to be in other states, bring them to Minnesota. But, Jordana, my biggest problem with this is telling uh, law enforcement agencies in the state, you are prohibited from right. doing any kind of coordinated mm-hmm. investigation, in this case, with Immigration and Customs Enforcement. And that I have a problem whenever that happens. I have a problem when local sheriffs say, uh, we've seen this when a, when a new gun law is passed, like a, like a red flag law. Some county sheriff saying, well, that's not, I'm not going to enforce that in my county because we believe in the Second Amendment. I'm, that pisses me off just as much mm-hmm. as this mm-hmm. when you're saying... Nope, we don't want our police and law enforcement to cooperate with federal authorities. That's what I have a problem with. Mm-hmm. Well, we have that in Minneapolis. Minneapolis is a sanctuary city, yes. and they don't enforce the federal laws. And they, of course, claim, and I've challenged police chiefs about this in the past. We and This is something that we should talk to Brian O'Hara about next time he comes on the show, and we'll make a note to do that. Um, and they say it, it's a it's a money thing. 
they don't have the time and they don't first of all they don't have ice on the ground here yep. and they and and this is not a defense i just i was looking for an explanation i'm like wait a minute i don't understand why we're not employing federal law here like why doesn't why isn't that a thing yet um they said it's a money thing they don't have officers right. Uh, like ICE officers available, even if they arrest somebody and they are an illegal immigrant, it's not legal after a few days to hold them in a holding cell. And there are no ICE officers, they claim, you know, that are coming yep. to collect these people. So what do you do with them? It yep. would be illegal to detain them any longer. So you have to let them go, even if you know they're illegal. And, you know, if they get out on bail from whatever they've done or whatever reason you have picked them up. I understand. So, that. And I and huge problem. Yes. Yeah. And mm-hmm. me saying that doesn't mean that I want all cops to be on the lookout 24 7 mm-hmm. for illegal, illegal Im- immigrants. No, I want them to mm-hmm. enforce speeding and enforce other crimes that are more, that pretend, that are more of a problem, more of a, a an, an Drunk issue, driving. more of a prudent mm-hmm. issue. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we do have, st- we don't, we're lacking cops in this city. Many other departments lack cops. But my problem is with the concept that we should have local law enforcement by edict saying we will not cooperate. That to me is a problem. We talked, I mean, if you look back at 9 11, what was one of the major uh, causes, or excuse me, what, what are the major impacts of 9 11 was that it exposed failures in communication between different law enforcement agencies. Mm-hmm. And I think if you mm-hmm. enact a law where you say, our city cops or our county police or our state uh, investigators will not cooperate with a federal agency. That is a problem, no matter what the issue is. And then we need the federal agency. And this is why we need Congress to act. You need to allocate more money. Uh, yes, to you know, make changes at the border, but also if you want to enforce these laws, you have to be able to send ICE agents to collect these people. I I don't fault local law enforcement for not holding people in an illegal way. You know, there's only a certain amount of time you can hold somebody for a crime. Then they either get out on bail or you, they are released in their own recognizance if if they haven't committed a a serious crime, but they may still be undocumented. Mm -hmm. It shouldn't be incumbent on our local police. We have so few resources as it is. We know, especially in Minneapolis, so few resources as it is to hold people or to monitor people. I understand why they don't do it, but then the federal government needs to step in and say, okay, when somebody is arrested, if they are undocumented and they've committed a crime, certainly get them out. Like, we don't want criminals. We don't want any criminals, but we certainly don't want undocumented criminals. So, but that need, that's a federal law. So we need support from the federal government to make it happen. Here's my other problem with this, too. And I, I, I get it. Um, we've elected a Democrat-controlled House and Senate in Minnesota, and the governor obviously is a Democrat. We call it the trifecta or whatever it is. But in just the last segment with Scott Krug, we talked about why do we have the two candidates we have and why are so many people uh, supporting Donald Trump? And it's because exactly because of this is because we have extremes of parties that say, okay, we're in control. We're going to do everything we want, our wish list. And even Mm -hmm. like more moderate Democrats here saying, well, this makes us more vulnerable to losing elections because, okay, voters put us in. Let's do everything we want to do as liberal or as right or as conservative as we want to get. 
and it just it turns so many people off, mm-hmm. even ones who might be sympathetic to your cause in many other areas. I, I just think that's a f- further push to the left, and that turns a lot of people off. And I think it's a big gamble for Democrats, too, because there's a House election coming up in November, and they could lose control of the House and basic, uh, based on last session, what they spent, and then this session, too, if the bill's like this, they enact more bills like this, saying we're declaring ourselves a sanctuary state. I think that's a big off-putting thing for a lot of voters. See, and not just right-wing voters and not just conservative voters, no, but people no. in the middle, too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. People like me. People like me. And like me. This yeah. is, is an upsetting bill. And I also don't think it's necessary. If Congress would... Uh, what Scott Klug said was right. If the three of us sat down with a couple more people and had some beers, first of all, we could figure out immigration. Yep. It's it's not that hard. You don't need to be a genius. You don't need to be an expert politician. There's just common sense stuff that needs to happen. And because the federal government is so impotent, because Congress is so ineffective and it's just the Keystone Cops over there, that gives an opportunity for maybe a more extreme bill like this to happen statewide that will be harder to overturn at some point because they know federal government's not going to do anything yep. because they don't have the balls. They don't have the will. They want to, you know, keep it as a, 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 um, a campaign issue. Yeah. Political and it's football. wrong. It's political. It, yes. It's, it's, and also we should know that the people that as voters, boy, you can tell it's late on Friday because I am losing my words <laughs> as voters. Uh, We should know that bills like this happen because of the ineptitude at the federal level. So all of you out there like me that are voting for Congress people that are blocking this immigration bill or blocking common sense immigration reform. This is what happens. This is the exact this is a consequence of the actions of Congress. It's no surprise that it is happening this week. And we need to be aware of that. We need to have aptitude in how the process works so we can vote against it if we don't accept it. And that's what I would want to do. I don't I don't think we should be a sanctuary state. And but we need federal backup. We need them to fix this problem. And I'm in no way of somehow saying that I am a total closed border. uh, Get the Mm -hmm. get all you know all uh, immigrants out because like no, i said if you could snap your finger right not. now and people who are here illegally disappeared there'd be a lot of businesses suddenly in no serious trouble right. but i'm for <laughs> a, a path to citizenship for those for those folks absolutely uh, obviously that topic will come up many many times because the uh, legislature starts next week oh goody uh, Eleven forty-seven on News Talk eight three zero WCCO. Another great week of great conversations. Uh, we were here all week, all three of us. What a concept! I know. So let's uh, <laughs> revisit some of our conversations we had this week. The Friday Rewind up next. Don't go anywhere. Pete Nigerian, who a uh, frequent contributor to CCO Radio, and I know Pete, you are a big fan of country music, and we're a big fan of Toby Keith's. And mm-hmm. I know that news has hit you hard this morning. Oh, it, it, it has. This is something that he's been struggling with for quite some time. He's definitely my favorite country guy of all time. He really, really, truly is. Had a chance to meet him and, and, and talk with him. Just a great guy, great person. And, and you know, his, his charity of his time to people from the military specifically, but was just amazing. Absolutely amazing. I, I, I thought the world of the guy and he 
he traveled the world and did a lot of things that, you know, he wouldn't have to do, but he wanted to do them because, you know, it's really sad. And I'll tell you, one of the best concerts I've ever been to was at the State Fair not too many years ago when Toby Keith was in town. And it was just spectacular. It's a sad day. It really is. Brady Maleka is program manager for the Cannabis Studies program at St. Paul College. So here's my hypothetical for you. So like if somebody's listening right now uh, and their son or daughter comes to them and says, Mom, Dad, I want to get involved in this cannabis studies. I want to do, pursue a job. And, you know, the older uh, American who says, well, that's, you know, I know it's legal now, but that that's giving me pause. What do you say to folks like that? I can certainly understand, um, you know, the concern as any parent may have if their child comes to them. Um, but it's really no different than any other training program that's out there. There's going to be really great jobs um, that not only are currently here in the medical field, but also that will be here in that retail space. Uh, lots of great science that goes behind the programs itself. So there's a lot on plant studies, how the plant itself interacts with the body. So it's not just a program about, uh, you know, let's learn how to get high or what's the best pot plant that's out there. Uh, you almost did the show alone today because as I was driving in today, oh, no. I had a panic attack. Oh, I no, suffer why? from anxiety disorder. Okay. And I've had panic attacks in the past. How could you continue to drive your car? That's a great question. But if anybody here listening has had panic attacks, and I'm not talking about, oh my God, I don't know where my kid is, I'm yeah. freaking out, or, ooh, that's a scary movie. No, like the those, one where the Those breathing, aren't panic attacks. Yeah. Your yes. heart feels like it's racing. You yes. think, oh, am I having a heart attack? Whatever right. it is. So I almost pulled over. Then I'm thinking, okay, on my way to work, there's also a urgency room. So I'm thinking, geez, do I just stop into the urgency room if this continues? And again, I'm starting to take deep breaths now, and I'm hoping it's working. And eventually, it was probably five minutes, and it went away. It's okay. I think I'm good, but I'm sweating now. And you're just reminded how powerful the human mind is. It's a Twin Cities to Rochester and back. 700 miles per hour tunnel, and a group wants $2 million from the Met Council to study it. Not to build it, not to break ground, not to write up a plan, to study. If it would work, and I say, do it. Why don't we study uh, time travel? Because you know what? Time travel doesn't exist. Neither does this Hyperloop. You know what I I think about when I think of the Hyperloop? When you go to the bank... (laughs) You put your money in the thing, and it gets sucked up into the thing. And it's, I think that's all based on just air, right? Now, I'm no scientist, <laughs> and I'm proving it, proving it right now. But I think it's the same idea, right? What, what noise does that make again? <laughs> you get sucked to Rochester. Yeah, you get, you get sucked to Rochester. <laughs> in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 